0: And we're back. Another episode of Start a Puzzle. Matt DeCoursey here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. Hey, how's it going? Just another day in the queue, baby. Queue time is due time. Is this like day 733 of captivity? I I quit counting a long time ago. Um, I, I really have. It's like... Yeah, d- definitely. Quick counting now. You know, with us today, we've got some, uh, we've got an interesting topic, both from the kind of found, uh, kind of business that our guest has founded, but more so a really, really interesting story. Now, before we get into that, I do want to mention that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software development team quickly and affordably. With us today, we have Moby Hayat, who is the Founder, co founder, and host of the Online First Summit 2020. It's located in Austin, Texas. Now, you know, I love it when all of you are interactive. So go on the internets and go to onlinefirstsummit.com so you can have some idea what we're talking about. Moby, hello, and hello to Austin. How are you today, sir?
1: I am good. It's good to be here on this podcast. Thank you for having me, and happy Monday.
0: Yeah, and we are, we're very glad to, you know, I'll tell you what, at, at, uh, at Startup Hustle, we certainly appreciate a good story, and we really love a good story about startups, and we really, really love a good story about Startup Hustle, which is pretty much your overall story. Where would you like to
1: start, sir? Absolutely. Uh, I'll just start by giving some quick context uh, for the listeners and you. So I moved to the U S in 2010 from Pakistan. And that was my first time in the U S and that's where it all started. Uh, I moved for here for college and it was like, okay, I'm here in the U S supposed to get a good, a good education. I came to college was horrible in college. Absolutely horrible. I got expelled twice. Deserved it both times. Oh, I almost got expelled. So I almost got expelled. Deserved it both times. Luckily, they let me go. But in college, I got the entrepreneurial start slash startup bug. And there were a few few reasons. I know a lot of people, especially you hear about them. It's like you want to start a business. You want to have a startup because it's. It's slightly glorified, right? You are up on TechCrunch. You see the headlines. You're like, oh, someone's an entrepreneur. Someone's a CEO, blah, 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 blah. So. That was where my journey started when in college, I realized I suck at college. I want to find something else that I'm good at to do. And I also honestly wanted that validation from people. That was my start into the entrepreneurial world. Like, oh, I want some validation. People say, I'm amazing at this stuff. And from there, the whole thing. You had this all wrong. Completely. Oh my (laughs) goodness. I was an idiot. I still am. Um. But that's weird. it's like, I want
2: to be a rock star, but I don't understand how hard it was to get there. And, and <laughs> I, all the I stress wanna, of it.
1: <laughs>
0: I want to go on record as also saying that I suck at college. I've been to five of them and now I'm a junior. <laughs>
1: nice. We're the same boat. Yeah. Yeah, college.
0: Yeah. yeah. That's
1: okay. Yeah, that's okay. Um, but so that's where it, the first thing happened where I wanted to start a business in college and the U S government said, shut your mouth. You are an immigrant on a visa. You cannot start a business in college. No. Take your classes, find a job at like the Taco Cabana at school, and then finish your school. That's where – and I got into the – I got into web development and starting building stuff uh, in like 2012 for free because I couldn't so the make The government it said, don't create
2: any jobs. Don't pay any tax revenue.
1: Yes. Because it was uh, illegal for me to have something outside of college.
0: Okay, so n- now we, we've established that you suck at college, perhaps. Yes. By the way, which by the way does not, in my opinion, doesn't mean shit as to yeah. whether or not you're going to be successful or not. And I don't want to downplay the value of education. But I mentioned, you know, I've, I've dropped out of five schools. The most recent one, which was a long time ago, I was in a very productive, I was actually in a top 10 business school, but I had Mm -hmm. a great idea that ended up being a business that I ran for the next eight years that led to the stuff that we do now. So that, you know, I think I, I talk to a lot of people that sometimes feel that they are limited or have missed out on something or they're at a disadvantage because they didn't graduate from college. That is not necessarily the case when it
1: comes to entrepreneurship. Agree. I, I agree. I think the value of college is being in an environment in, in which everybody is figuring it out and getting that education. But if you're out there doing something for yourself, I don't think you need to go to college. I, I needed it because I needed to get into the U.S. So that's why I went to college. And that's literally why I went to grad school for a green card. But that's a little story. Uh, that's a little story. So um, I got into college, got into Uh, this whole situation. And then I found myself looking at entrepreneurship, got involved with an organization called Three Day Startup in which they teach uh, students how to do entrepreneurship. I was like, okay, one day I'll have a business. Graduated college, found a job at Dell, took the first job I had and got the visa for Dell. And I wanted to start a business while working at Dell as a 20 something year old. And I was like, I'll, I'll do the immigrant dream. I'll do the immigrant dream. Uh, building a business while working a day job, and the U.S. government said, "Shut your fucking mouth." Until you get a green card, you cannot legally make money outside of your day job. And that was the defining moment where, like, it was two, three months of just me being like, "Ugh, I, I don't know what to do." Like, I just partied. I went out, spent all my money, and I came back and decided I did the only thing that was legal for me which was making content about entrepreneurship. I interviewed people just like you are. I interviewed people who were starting businesses in Austin, who led organizations, who led people in Austin. And that was the cornerstone, corner, cornerstone of my entrepreneurial journey, making content about podcasting. And that turned into live streaming for entrepreneur media, for media tech ventures, making videos, making content about entrepreneurship, building a personal brand in this space. And help people win money about about eight hundred thousand dollars on stage at pitch competitions. Um, and in 2019, I got my visa. and um, I got my green card. So nine years after being in the U.S., I got my visa, and jumped in an online course. Became the head of a startup accelerator in Texas. Managed their accelerator. And this is for the audience just to give context. Did that for four months. Started an online course. Had a microconference on the side. Then got laid off, and I was like, okay, I'm going to start an online summit because that's where the future is going to be. And that's my big story in a nutshell. We can jump into whatever you want to talk about.
0: Yeah, well, I want to go back a little bit. So, you know, one of the, so we actually had a, a prior guest, and this was probably a year ago, that had, uh, had a similar story. And, you know, he had come from, uh, oh man it was south america yeah. um, and and you know he he had gone through similar things he'd come here to be a student and and run into a myriad of different problems i'd like to like first start by you know i think you know you mentioned the uh, the the dream the quote american dream which you referred to actually as an immigrant dream but there are a lot of people that move here with just wanting to move to the United States. They run into some roadblocks when it comes to starting a business. What is the process? I mean, so when you said you just recently uh, received your, your green card and mm-hmm. congratulations and welcome for good. Um, so is that is that the very first requirement? Like what what things were you officially limited from without the green card? Like, are you not able to, uh, form an entity or do certain things or like, what, what's the, what are the true restrictions there that you had to wait for that card to get, to like
1: get around? Great question. So if you are on a student visa in college or you're on a work visa, which is the H1B traditionally, that's the one that our president really hates it. Your limitations are you cannot outside of the place that gets you the visa, you cannot own a business and be employed by it. So I could own a business, but not work for it. But outside weird. of Dell, for uh, example, yeah, I know. So I could own a, a business. Weird,
0: that's weird, Matt. Matt, did you even know that was the case? I work for my business I own. Yeah, yeah but you're a citizen. That's what he was saying. Is oh. as a, as a, without the green card, he was able to, oh, I, that's odd. You could open and own a business, but not work at it.
2: Well, maybe that's a loophole. Maybe that's one of those loopholes. They try and close down to say like, you know, you're trying to illegally immigrate and that's like a loophole to illegally oh, get a starting
0: in. your own, starting your own company
1: and then employing yourself. I yeah.
0: See. Okay. Okay. Maybe. okay. All right. Yeah.
1: Uh, and the workaround actually is that if you want to work for your own company, you have to own less than 50% of the company. You have to get the business plan approved by immigration officer you have to have funding so you can't really bootstrap an experiment, and you have to be able to be fired. So you cannot see. be the final decision maker in your position. If no one can fire you, can't happen.
0: So we can add some interesting context to this because Matt and I own full scale at fullscale.io, the sponsor of today's show. And we have a large number. We have 183 employees in the Philippines. And so we, not from the U.S. business ownership perspective, but we had to open, two years ago, we had to open a corporation in the Philippines in order to be a legal employer and, put people you know give HMO and real paychecks and pay taxes and we had to go through we had to jump through some hoops ourselves in the Philippines uh, you mentioned not owning you had to own less than 50 percent of the business well we have to have three out of five or the majority of the quote founding original founding members and board of directors had to be Filipino citizens huh so, and the the restriction exists to keep foreign companies from coming in and, or foreign people from buying everything. So in the Philippines, we, we can't, well, as individuals, we, at the time, we wouldn't have been able to, we couldn't have bought property or anything like that. Now they have some ways that you can structure it a little differently after you've set up the company and different stuff. But yeah, we, we got pretty familiar with some of the things, including Uh, And, you know, here's the thing is, is I'll be the first to admit that as a, a lifetime American citizen, I mean, I'm a white dude from Kansas, like I about as stereotypical as, as it might seem for 44 year old suburban dudes, you know, but we, we, I remember specifically experiencing my first real, like my real exposure to like business prejudice When we were reaching out to banks, yeah. And and literally a bank told us that they didn't want they didn't want our account because we were a US owned business. Wow. Which would, would yeah. It's well so it wasn't it wasn't that straightforward. Apparently they had some kind of threshold that they wanted to operate with, and we may have put them over it, but the way that they phrased it was Um, I mean, it was, I, it was really like, honestly, the first time I had really experienced that. Yeah. And, you know, so, so what did, do you have some, do you remember that Matt? Oh yeah. I remember that. (laughs) And, you know, there, and and Matt, didn't you kind of, didn't you go through something similar renting a condo?
2: Yes. Yeah. So I was going there every few weeks and so I wanted to rent a condo. And as soon as they figured out I was American, they wanted me to pay like three months deposit up front, plus a security deposit or something like that.
1: Wow.
2: But until they, when they didn't know I was American, they didn't, they didn't require any of that. But as soon as they figured out I was American, they wanted all these additional deposits.
0: I'm like, nope, I'll find another condo. So what, what are some, what are some of the things that, you know, Moby, there have to be a ton of things that were given for us opening a business as American citizens. What were some things like, obviously you mentioned some of the, you know, had to be less than 50% or anything like that. Did you run into some other things like the? the I'll give you an example. As we went to start our business in the Philippines, we mm-hmm. had to register for what they call an SEC number, which is like an EIN here it took us over four months to get that back. And, and without it, we couldn't do like 10 other things. Like we couldn't even open a bank account. Yeah. So, and and so I would imagine that that there was probably a few or interesting little restrictions that came with non non non-citizenship past what you had already mentioned. What were, what, what do you have some interesting
1: stories there? Yeah. So the, the big requirement, which would have, the big statement that would have made me out of status on my visa would have been, if I am conducting work outside of the day job, which a U.S. citizen or U.S. permanent resident would be getting paid for, that would have been that would have been bad for my situation. So everything I did, a lot of it, um, like I did it for free, and I made sure in all my social media, in all public conversations, it was classified as a hobby. I would men- mentor people, and when like, you know, like it was almost $800,000. And I was like, no, I'm just mentoring for free because that's, I'm volunteering. Anybody that I would help, anybody whose website I would talk about, the podcast, I very publicly and also internalize that it's a hobby. So that if the U.S. government finds out, I can very truthfully come in front of a hard-ass immigration officer and say, I have done nothing illegal. It was, I never posted on LinkedIn about anything that I was doing. It was all Facebook instagram like the podcast interviewing the mayor interviewing director of south by southwest uh, entrepreneur network it was all like this is a hobby so it was honestly a lot of it was not a lot of it but a part of it was living in some sort of fear i would call an immigration officer immigration lawyer every three four months like hey i'm doing this now um like for fun for the hobby is that illegal and i he would give the lawyer answer he was great and he would say it depends uh, and so I would have to always
0: <laughs> <laughs> say it sounds like to, a very lawyer answer. It depends who you ask. Yeah,
1: yeah. He, he was fantastic. But I, I did live in a lot of fear, like, because I had this itch to build something, whether that was a podcast or a personal brand or anything or a business, which I couldn't, I had to make sure I classified that publicly as a hobby. It was never seen by anybody to be doing something which would have made it illegal in the government's eyes. And, would would yeah. you
0: like would you like to would you like to mention the name? You can mention the name of your podcast. I mean, it's, oh, if you want to suggest yeah. where where that could be listened to, go
1: ahead. Absolutely. So it's called. I started off with a podcast called the Austin Fire Show, and then I went and started the Fire Show, which is a podcast of kind of like how I built this in Austin and talking about Austin's tech ecosystem, how certain people who are really good at what they do in one aspect of business, whether that's sales, operation leadership uh, organizations, how they do what they do. So it's very tactical. Um, And it's got the mayor on there, director of Southwest, Southwest, Texas Woman Entrepreneur of the Year. And it was probably one of the best things I've ever done, hosting a podcast. As you all all know, it just works on so many different levels. Are you still doing it today? Yeah, not as much. I'm a little bored. I make more videos, but yes.
0: So, you know, that's, that's one of the things and, and, you know, having our podcast, we just went past our 300th episode, which is crazy, Yeah. but yeah, it's uh, I mean, it, I, we would, there's no way we'd be able to do what we do at the volume we do it. If we didn't have our own support mechanism, mm-hmm. meaning like today's podcast, will you know, once we hit stop and, and send it up to the cloud, we have, I mean, as a part of our 183 employees in the Philippines, we have. Uh, Eight people in a marketing department there and also a couple people here, which do a lot of other different stuff, but process this along the way. Um, As you know, starting a podcast is something that anybody can do. And for a very for a very low barrier to entry, what were some of the benefits that you have you have found uh, from
1: starting your show? That's a great, great question. And also, by the way, my uh, VA uh, is also in the Philippines. They're awesome.
0: No, there oh, there you
1: go. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, Onlinejobs.ph. That's where I found them. Um, so your question was the benefits or what I saw from hosting a podcast, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. it's. I think a podcast is a great way or a blog, any kind of interview thing is a great way to leverage that asset to meet people that would never – are not likely to give you the time of day. Like when I got to the mayor, I was like, why is he sitting down with me? That's so stupid but I had a podcast and I could reach out to people and say, Hey, I want to interview you. And everyone loves being interviewed on a podcast. Oh, but what yeah. it was, well, yeah. And what was really happening was I was just building a relationship with them. It was all these things of relationship with this person. I interviewed relationship, 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 and the podcast was a way to bring them into my network. And by asking them questions, being interested, I made them feel liked and they ended up liking me. So anything I did later on, whether that was events, This online summit with 60 plus speakers, a micro-conference, an online course, I could always reach out for support from them. Be like, hey, I'm doing this, and I just have this excuse to meet people. Um, The online summit, do you know Noah Kagan? No. Uh, he's He's a big Austin startup dude, and I got him because of the summit. I'm like, hey, do you want to be a keynote? He's like, yeah. So it's just a great way to meet people and also learn it's a, it's a great way to get into content and building a personal brand because at a podcast, when you're starting out, you're like, you're, you're right, low barrier of entry. You don't have to show your face. You can ask the questions. And over time, it can turn into this thing of, oh, you're making video, you're live streaming, you're writing blogs, you might make a course, you might make a platform based on content. So I think podcasting is a great place to start and keep doing it if you love it. But like you said, if you don't have processes set up, it's going to drain the life out of you
0: constantly. Yeah, I can de- definitely like, that's something that we've, I mean, we, we've developed a, we're highly proficient at, yeah. uh, in the, at the production line, but that's because we have a, a variety of different people that do a variety of different things that all kind of touch it at the point that it needs to be, you know, done at now at one point, I mean, that was me and it, wow. it took up a lot of the time, uh, for, for those that want to just kind of hustle harder and do something like a podcast or any other kind of stuff. If you're trying to do interview media, I talk to people, people have asked me a lot. They're like, well, how do you get guests? I'm like, it's not as hard as you think. Yep. And it's based on it's based on the concept that people would like to talk about themselves. So give them the opportunity to do that, and you might find that to be the case. I couldn't agree with you more about the interesting relationships that you end up building. Um, Prior to the Startup Hustle podcast, I had learned that because, well, Matt and I know each other primarily, became friends and then business partners later, but that started with me interviewing him for my book, Million Dollar Bedroom. Nice, And that, that, that just, it was just, you know, there's like a different kind of bond. And the thing is, is, is as, and my recommendation is if you do start a podcast and you want to have other people on it, then, you know, make, make your stuff centric around what they're doing much like this. If you want to learn more about the company that Moby Hyatt is, is running, has operated, you can go to online um, and you know, just that, that overall engaging part of it. And really, if you're worried about it, so many people say, I, I don't know, I'm, I can't, I've been working on an outline. I'm trying to come up with content, <laughs> right? Write six words down about something you're a subject matter expert on and start talking about it into a microphone. Yep. That's how that works or do the same thing here. Like it, for example, at startup hustle, like this, this episode is built around your story. Which has been written or is forecast in the future, and does not require me to have a whole lot of notes about it. And then sometimes we share those notes with Matt Watson, who openly admitted earlier that he didn't <laughs> even, that he didn't even read them. So, you know, okay, so look now. Let's all of this, you know, in order for a, a hustle story, and and you know, Moby will tell you if off air, and I'm going to quote him now because I'm not a success story. I'm a hustle story. Well that the, there's not a whole lot of success stories that aren't also a hustle story. Mm. I mean, does anyone disagree with that? It all requires a little bit of hustle and a little bit of luck somewhere along the way. True. See, I don't time. believe I, I'm not a believer in luck though. Cause I think as, as you're hustling, you're preparing for that moment where you may see some opportunity. Now luck at luck is our, is our blue collar uh, layman's term for that. But you know, people have said to me, they're like, Oh, you're lucky you do this and do that. I'm like, dude, there's no, there's not luck. It was a shitload of hustle. I wasn't lucky last week when I worked 84 hours.
2: Karma yeah. came around my way. Better. However you want to describe it.
0: Well, but the point is, is if you're not prepared, like you, all right, so we're going to talk, you know, we'll talk about online first And you know, here's the thing, man, it's like you mentioned, like there, you have been, if you were preparing for that prior or you had, Ed, now, is this a company you founded?
1: Yeah. So, um, oh, comment about your luck. Sorry. So, so your I totally agree with you. It's, it's, uh, what I think about it, a serendipity. So for example, I was taking the day off from my day job. Once, uh, it was my lunch break. I was podcasting at a co-working space. I podcasted, walked out to go back to the day job. I ran into somebody and said, Hey, can I help you? Uh, coach the people who are at your co-working space help them with their pitches he said yes that resulted in a $360,000 win for somebody that got me mentorship for something else I help other people win money and that one interaction might not be luck might just be serendipity the fact that I was prepared to ask that question I ran into that person and that led to a chain of events which worked so yeah the hard work. What, Watson, what, and before we get into online
0: first summits, Watson has a very similar story related mm. to that about not Matt. I think you should take one minute and tell the story about how you, how Vince solutions got started due to a skipped lunch break. Ooh.
2: Yeah. I was selling computers at Sears and everybody would come in and buy a computer and I asked them what they need the computer for. Cause I was trying to figure out what to sell them. If they need a laptop or an expensive mm-hmm. computer or whatever. And, uh, I decided to skip lunch and while I was working, some car dealer came in and I ended up helping him with this computer and, uh, asked him what he wanted it for. And he told me it was, you know, some software for some dealership, but the guy who wrote it was crazy and fled the country and they were scared shitless that the software was going to stop working and
0: blah, blah, blah. And I said, maybe I can help you with that.
2: And then the rest was history.
0: Well, and and Matt's always modest, that resulted in a company that he exited for $150 million and also still exists in Kansas City with 500 full time employees. So um, yeah, now, now you talk about the weird stuff. I mean, if, if Matt had gone to lunch today or that day, he might still be, he might be working at Sears wondering if he has a job, <laughs> <Me>. <laughs> he's trying to get out of, trying to get out of the computer department and what do I need to do to sell tools? Yeah. Um, so, so back to your online summits, uh, so online summit.com and let, let's talk about that. Like what made you want to get into that and what's the problem that you're solving?
1: Absolutely. So when I got the green card in 2019, right, I was like, okay, I have the legal ability to start a business, and what do I do? I didn't have enough revenue from uh, – I, I made a course, hosted some workshops, uh, was getting some revenue, but didn't have enough revenue to make it full-time, and I was also scared to go full-time on it. So I took a job as a manager of a startup accelerator, helping people raise money and just meet, help them meet investors, get some mentorship. On the side, I kept doing stuff. From November, December, January, uh, February, 2020, I just kept doing stuff on the side while working this job. And I told myself, this job is for a year and a half. That's it. And then I will leave. March, 2020 happened. We're in Austin. So South by a festival in which hundred thousand people come in that got canceled. Uh, the startup accelerator I worked at also had a co-working space. Co-working died because no one wants to sit next to each other now. And all two Q2 and Q3 events got canceled and sponsorship revenue went down the drain for the company I was working at. Then they got 95 of us on a call and furloughed and laid off half of them um, within two weeks of this thing. And I remember looking at, I remember looking at the screen after the call happened and the first thing was, oh my God, I got to find a new job. Oh my God, I updated my resume super quick. I cut my expenses. But then I took a day and I thought, I I looked at my finances. I I have enough runway to last for a bit. And also, I don't have to find a new job. Like I've always wanted to go out on my own and build something. And I've made some money outside of that. Why don't I take this time to go full time into something and try something that I think is going to work? And I had been reading this book called Surge, which is about riding a wave of something that comes on. Now it's getting this itch even before I got laid off, which is, virtual is happening because of COVID. It is, it is the thing. It is the thing. And I looked and said, one of my friends was hosting an online summit. He asked me for help. I looked at his platform. I was like, shit, I can do this. And so within 15 days, we had got 50 speakers topics uh, and a platform set up to be like, we're going to try this. And if it succeeds, uh, I'm going to take it further. I also took on coaching and helping people with their content but already, we've got, this is what, uh, almost 20 days in, Twenty days in after we got the idea. We broke even. We got some sponsorship. We have 60, too many speakers, 63 speakers. Uh, we've got a great keynote. And I have already got a lead for a consulting thing on a virtual conference for a nonprofit. Uh, sorry, a nonprofit that actually makes money and can actually pay. So somehow, this combination of being laid off is... Uh, and building something which I think is going to be the future, gave, is it put me in a put me in a position to be like, this might actually work for a bit, and I might turn my business. It's a product, not a business. It might be that I'm a virtual conference consultant, or we host these every two months, uh, or the podcast and the conference merge together. We're still trying to figure it out, but our goal is just to hustle the hell out of this uh, for the next twenty days and see what happens.
0: So when it comes to the the speakers and the topics, what are the what's the range? Like, get, drop a few drop a few subject matters on us.
1: Absolutely. So the problem that we're trying to solve and looking at our customers psychographically is if, March and April would have been a month for small to medium sized businesses and startups, which fucking sucked. It would have been grim, sobering. There would have been pay uh, uh, pay cuts, layoffs, budget cuts, furloughs. Um, loss in revenue and I believe that the future is 100% digital first right it reminds me of that phrase uh, mobile first so people who are building business models and selling products and services digitally or can just deliver digitally first even if this physical products or food or whatever those are the people who are going to survive if social distancing lasts for another six months hopefully not or if it comes back or you know something else happens And we're bringing 60 people who are building these kinds of businesses to show you what kind of business models work online, um, how to actually get customers if you're building something, how to pivot to a different business model, and how to prepare for a future that no one knows what the hell is going to happen. We just want to help people. We want to help people get back on their feet and actually kick ass because so many people are growing right now, absolutely growing. And why not other people? So we're trying to bring that in four days with about 40 talks, by 60 speakers
0: and if we want to and and we can sign up for that or a listener can sign up for that going to onlinefirstsummit.com
1: yes onlinefirstsummit.com we've got uh, there you go uh, it it, it is we are getting the content so 35 bucks so that anyone who registers they have skin in the game and they care enough to actually pay a little bit just to be like yeah i want this content versus just bad leads for us
0: so when, when this, con- so do you think that it, I, honestly, to me, it sounds like this is probably going to result more in, uh, in a sharp increase in consultative revenue for mm-hmm. you, just meaning like, like you mentioned, and I, you know, you're, you're doing, by the way, I want to say you're doing it right for, and if, and if those of you listening have wanted to understand, you know, I, I'll talk to people about podcasts and, and I, at this point I can't go to, well, when I, you could go to events where people were there, it would be all the, the Startup Hustle podcast is like all I talk about mm-hmm. with people. They all just have mm-hmm. so many different questions. I, I gave a presentation at Global Entrepreneur, Global Entrepreneurship Week about starting a podcast. And the very first thing I did was I asked the whole room. I said, how many of you want to start a podcast because you think it's going to become, you think that, that it will generate enough ad or sponsor revenue <laughs> for you <laughs> to not have to do another job? and ha- and moby's laughing and i can see him like with the facepalm kind of moment because that's not what is going to happen with your podcast not for a while and 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 maybe never and that's the wrong approach to go about it instead it's about creating value and and hype related to your own business your own services your own things and stuff like that and you know the 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 consultative play of it is there's so many people that want to create content but really just don't know how, or maybe they just need someone to tip them, push them over the edge or do something like that. And you know, like when it, when it comes to creating content, I mean, Nike has it right when they say, just do it. Like you gotta, you gotta, if you're not, they're like, well, I'm not sure my first episode's that great. Nobody's is (laughs) nobody's is if we went back and if I go back, I can't even, I don't even have, Enough. I can't even stomach going back and listening to the first startup hustle yep. episode, even from a from a sound quality to all of it. But you got to get started somewhere. Um, so when you're when you're consulting or trying to teach people about content creation related to their brand, and there's a lot of people that believe the modern brand also operates somewhat like its own tiny media company, and I agree. I agree. That's what we do at full scale. It's what we do at startup hustle. What are a few things that, like, what are your kind of cardinal rules that you've got related to creating content? I mean, mine are: you got to be genuine. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to have something to offer. It has to be more about other people and other things and helping people get what they want, not just about you. Because yep. even if your even if your story is ten miles deep and a hundred miles wide, it it has an end. Um, and that's a different kind of show. And then it's also, as you mentioned, like the ability to create relationships with interesting and engaging people, in my opinion, is where the most value can come for a lot of people. So, uh, what, what, what are your, what are your, uh, what are your first five or so rules?
1: Yeah, uh, I agree with you. It's about what other people want and providing some sort of value. And that could be, for example, with podcasting, it would, when I think about content, the first thing is value. So I'm interviewing somebody that if someone else is listening, they get something that they can use in their life. Or if it's a video and it's still about me, I make it entertaining and the person wants to watch, whether they know it's just going to be funny for a bit or it's going to be super useful. It has to be about what the other person wants. So this fine line between not making yourself, but being yourself and showing your personality and not being egotistical about it, because I think it, it's a very easy thing to do, which is making videos, making podcasts, and somehow centering it, out, it, around, it around you versus your perspective on the topic that you talk about and giving people value through that. The, the one thing I think about most with content is also, it's like I, I use a coworker analogy. There's two kinds of people who usually make content. Uh, there's one person who's like a coworker who you only run into once a month in the hallway, and they talk at you for 30 minutes, and they expect you to listen, and you're bored, and you can't get away, and you're like, when is this asshole going to stop talking to me? Like, I never see that this person uh, otherwise. On the other side, there's this other person who makes content who's like the coworker you see all the time, and they just pop, they just, you cross hallways every two, three days, they say hi, you have a quick exchange, and you leave, you ha- I personally believe you have a better relationship with a person you see more frequently. They just ask you how you are. They give an update about your life. And over months, over time, you build this weird relationship with them where you're like, oh, how was that thing that you talked about two months ago? Oh, I know you went this weekend and did this. I like making content for a minute or two for videos and giving them a quick update, giving them quick value once, two, three times a week rather than a 10-minute video on a Friday, which is just me vomiting what I think I believe about the world. Cause no one cares. When was the last time you finished a 10 minute video? I like, I listened to once and that was for my friend and it was great. But other than that, no, people just don't do it. So I think frequency and smaller content with either value or entertainment is better than boring. Look at what I know. 10 minute videos posted on LinkedIn, asking people to support because you, we see ads all the time. and well, It's not like we say, this person's bad or this person doesn't know what they're saying. It's like, bullshit, bullshit, I don't care, I don't care, I don't care, I don't care, I don't care. But if you package into something smaller that they get used to getting entertainment and value from, I think that's fine. And I'm leaning more towards humor these days while I talk about the summit. Because I can talk about the summit all the time. But if I say the same thing on video or live stream all the time, people will be like, stop talking they would unfollow me right away. So I have to find new ways well, to package that.
0: Well, speaking of entertainment and humor, it is actually time for us to play Mixtape the Game. Yeah. So so Moby, if you haven't played Mixtape the Game, um, Anybody listening can find mixtape, find it at mixtapethegame.com. You can also download the app for iOS or Android. I have pulled a card out of the mixtape deck. I am going to read a scenario in which everyone is going to then name whatever song they think best fits that scenario. We will vote to see who the winner is. You may not vote for yourself. Moby, are you prepared to play mixtape with us? Let's do it. All right. Here's the card. If your company had a theme song, what would it be? Watson, you will have to an- I will answer on behalf of Full Scale and you will work for Stackify. Hmm. I'm going with Eye of the Tiger. I, is that by Survivor? I maybe. Every everyone knows Eye of the Tiger. Yeah. And I'm going to and I'm I'm going to give an explainer. It's because Full Scale was 10 years ago a different company that has has had the heart and the eye of the tiger over a a, a long decade i gotta go with white and nerdy by weird al (laughs) (laughs) Yankovic. you know honestly that's a that's very appropriate
1: i like that i like that it's one of my favorite songs so it is a dope song
0: i would probably it's also also written about you matt yeah (laughs)
1: i would probably pick uh led zeppelin's immigrant song not because of the name but because of how pumped up i get because of it i love that song the name is it's well it's it's also it's also
0: very i'm giving that my vote actually because once again congratulations on the story and i love that song matt who's your vote going to all right let's repeat what do we got again i have the tiger and he's got the immigrant song by led zeppelin which i don't don't know that song Come from the land of the ice and snow over the midnight uh, sun for the hot streams, okay. Yeah, I got to
2: vote for that. And I don't like voting for you, anyways. <laughs> was it my
0: singing? Yeah, your singing was awful. It, dude, that, I mean, I, it, a lot of people listening will think that Robert Plant was here. Just, well, congratulations, Moby. You're the winner of Mixtape the Game. On this episode of Startup Hustle. Now, well, for once again, with us today, Moby Hayat, a man who does many different things. If you want to learn more about Moby, you can find him on Instagram. I love the handle. Not that Moby. Same with Twitter. I mentioned earlier, I've been telling people all week that we were going to record an episode of Startup Hustle with Moby. For those of you that are wondering when we're going to talk about EDM, never. <laughs> um
1: <laughs> it's not happening. So,
0: so as we conclude this episode of uh I almost said mixtape the game of startup hustle we end with the founder's freestyle moby you've got so many different things that we've talked about and covered and thank you for sharing your interesting story and outlook with us if you have uh if you have uh anywhere up to let's say a minute To lay out whatever you would like to say to our listening audience, uh, can be about anything you want, brother.
1: Oh, awesome! Yeah, just fucking me. for your style, boom. I I would just tell them to make content, let's make videos as much as possible, get good at it, have fun with it. Because if people invest, people watch your content over time, especially as you build a business, they become invested in it, they tell other people about it, especially if it's good video content, and that is just free, organic. Marketing. We haven't marketed one bit outside of organic marketing for the summit, and we get in dodge for speakers all the time. So just make video content, please. That's it. Mr. Watson?
2: You know, I, I think what you guys are trying to do with the uh, online summits is awesome. Um, you know, I used to go to Microsoft Build every year, which is in the last few years has been in the Seattle area. And it costs like $2,000 to go. Or you stream the entire thing online for free. Wow! And I just wonder how all these conferences are, are going to survive, you know, going forward uh, of all forms, right? All industries, all sorts of mm-hmm. things. And are we going to make this radical shift now to where everything is online and we just kind of never go back? I don't know. It's going to be really fascinating, and so. Um, I, I definitely think there's a big future with, with what you're trying to do and um, really wish you guys luck. Thank you.
0: So, and I'll round this out once again with us today, Moby, Ha, the, a man of a man who wears many hats, um, as we can say, find him on the gram, but I, not that Moby. Um, so, You know, once again, today's episode of Startup Hustle was sponsored by FullScale.io, helping you build a software development team quickly and affordably. You can also find today's episode on the Startup Hustle YouTube channel. And we're on the gram as well at Startup Hustle Podcast, where we sometimes post our own faces that are best meant for radio. So, you know, overall, man, like in an episode that started about the hustle required to set up uh, uh, an episode, you know, any business as an immigrant, we quickly turned into the conversation about content and organic marketing. I couldn't feel stronger about the subject. I've been doing it for years, having written three books, I, I came to podcasting because I had been trying to build my own YouTube channel after Mm -hmm. working with a brand influencer who made it look really easy. I realized with podcasting that the people that were listening didn't have to give up something else to listen to a podcast. And the we mentioned video a lot in this episode, but, and, and you mentioned no one watches that 10 minute video or a lot of people don't. And that's because if, you, if people have to listen to a video, they sometimes have to give something up while yep. they're doing it. Now that when you have targeted content, similar to what you're doing with the online summits, it's very precise. It's very, it's subject matter experts. It's not just your own opinion in a lot of cases. And that can lead to longer content now, when it comes to creating a podcast, like most, the, by the way, podca- since COVID-19 and lockdowns occurred, the podcast uh, podcast listenership has gone down 15 to 20%. Why? Because people listen a lot on their commute. Yeah. Or when they're doing different things, when they're at the gym, when they're out doing a lot of stuff, but, and people will return to doing that stuff. But keep in mind, when you create audio content, like podcasting the modern day talk radio, it had, you have an amazing reach. We've had listeners in 190 countries. That was the last time we, we probably have more. I haven't even checked since the last time. We were running out of countries to find new listeners in, but you know I'm recording this out of the guest room in my house right now. Matt's at home. Moby looks like he's at home. And <laughs> yeah. the point is, is you, the, the modern world of technology, whether, whether it's through online summits or podcasting or blogging, it's, it's, it's valid and it's something that you can do. Now with that, you have to look at it as a long play. If you think you're going to publish three podcast episodes, write two blogs and make a video and you're going to become some kind of social media influencer or have tens of thousands of downloads and, and, and web hits, you're not. I mean, we, like the full scale blog has over 200 articles in it. We've published 300 podcasts and all that stuff, but you can find, if you start, if you make a plan and you start tying all this stuff together, the content, content supports your other content, supports other stuff. And if you actually make a reasonable plan, you can spread the stuff out and it becomes easier and easier over time. Well, and, be, um, and because the moder- of
2: the podcast, I am now an Instagram model.
1: Per- perfect. Yeah. I
0: love it. The visuals are I, stunning. I, I don't even know how to fucking respond to that <laughs> comment. Um, oh, wow. It, if you want... <laughs> Matt, where can we find your Instagram modeling? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. So there's no one with more likes on Instagram than you. Watson. That's me for sure. But you know the point is is all this stuff is is accessible and it's something that you can get into. It has a remarkably low barrier of entry. I mean mm-hmm. a decent 99 to 200 dollar mic can get you started and you have some time and the beautiful thing about creating re- pre-recorded content is that if it sucks or you mess it up then erase it and try again. It's that okay. simple. So so don't let it don't let it scare you. Anyway, Thanks again for all you that tuned in. Thanks for uh, checking us us out. All the different places you can find us. We'll see you around next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCorsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.